Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. So we are sitting down with Mike Camito to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Battle of Alberta, and a lot of other things going on within the NHL. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Not a worry at all. You are probably, what, the third or fourth time we've had you on now, so you're almost a regular at this point. Yeah, that's true. We are getting up there. <laughs> well, Mike, I want to talk to you about the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously. Uh, just a lot of things happening with this squad since we've last talked. Obviously, the coaching change, players are now getting disciplined in Casper Kapanen. Wondering what you're seeing out of this squad now that they moved on from Babcock and are with Keefe. I'm wondering uh, what you think of this squad so far. I think it's just been a, a complete uh, you know, night and day change um, over these last 28 games since Keefe came in. I mean, I think even the approach you know, to working with the players, um, I think you've seen the way he's handled some of the players, especially when they're coming into you know, uh, you know, places of priority for them, their hometowns. Um, I think we originally scheduled the talk uh, back when, um, I can't remember the player's name now, when they played in Winnipeg. Um, but again, you saw how earlier in the year, even at the beginning of the season, when Babcock had scratched, you know, Spets, a veteran who obviously didn't need any, you know, reason to not play that game in front of, you know, his hometown. I think you've just seen how even little subtle things like that have been uh, important with the team, um, and, you know, in making making or taking stock of that these things are important to his players. And I think appreciating that, I think also even with how he's deployed Hutchison, you know, over the last little while, which again is, um, you know, I think there's still some issues with the, with the backup goaltending situation there, but I think his whole perspective of actually giving him starts that are off, that are not just back to backs, I think obviously does a lot, you know, I think for, for his, you know, approach to the game and the way he's thinking about his starts, because again, if you're only being deployed only in a back-to-back and kind of as like the the last ditch option, because you're not going to play Anderson back-to-back games, you know, that's going to kind of wear on your psyche that there's obviously not a lot of confidence in you. And again, maybe these things kind of go hand in hand. And so, you know, as, as much as I think we can still critique a lot of things about Hutchinson's performances, um, I, I think that even making those changes, and I think he has addressed that, right, that giving him more opportunities ultimately, um, you know, I think is only going to allow him to, I think, be a, feel like a more, uh, like a better part of the team. And, and hopefully that'll build his confidence and, and inspire confidence around his teammates when he is in the net and not just on those back-to-back nights. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, like, I think the results speak for themselves as well. I think we've seen that a lot of the, the younger guys who I think maybe had a shorter leash with Babcock are getting more opportunities. I mean, you can look at the ice time has increased. Uh, they're playing uh, better than they were before. So, I mean, I think it's just that, that, that ultimate change, I think, has just kind of worked uh, well for the club, you know, on and off the ice. You know, if you look at Matthews over the last 28 games, he's got 22 goals. You know, if you were to have that pace over an 82-game season, you know, it's 64 goals. Um, I mean, he's still on pace for 56, which would be incredible, but I think um, you can see the way that, that Keith has changed the deployment and the tactics, and it's it's obviously the, the team is reaping the benefits of that. Well, to touch on Hutchinson for just a second, I mean, you are, you know, the go-to hockey historian for a lot of things. The way the Maple Leafs handled the James Reimer situation back in the day, bringing in Jonathan Bernier, you know, almost having a non-vote of confidence in Reimer, I'm seeing a little bit of the backup situation here with Hutchinson. Beginning of the season, you bring in a guy like, um, who was it? I think it was Varmal, not Varmalov, what's his name? Um, Neuverth. You bring in a guy like uh-huh. Neuverth, and then, you know, you're looking to add a guy like Gorgiev. That name has come up. You know, for Hutchinson, like you said, it is good to get him between the pipes and let him feel the puck more and not just on back-to-backs. But I'm wondering for his psyche at the beginning of the season, 
if that maybe was rattled with all the, you know, bringing in Neuwirth, the noise about the backup situation, you know, obviously the confidence not being there. And I'm wondering, you know, being the hockey historian that you are, have you seen a team kind of bongle goaltenders like this? I know the other one with Reimer was past regime, but this is, you know, new current regime. And it looks like they didn't give the guy a fair shake, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of an example that comes to mind right now. I mean, certainly if you were to go back through history, I'm sure there's, there's no shortage, shortages of examples. I mean, I think that a little healthy competition is fine ultimately to bring in, you know, somebody else at the beginning of the year to see who's going to win out that and get that, uh, that start, that backup job. Uh, but ultimately, I think that for sure, if, if you've been relegated to this role where you're only called upon, you know, in, you know, the, the, uh, you know, in those situations where you can't go to your your, uh, your starting goaltender, you know, that certainly has to play an impact on you. Again, I just think if in my role, in my work, you know, if, if I was uh, only called upon because I was the last ditch option and there was nobody else to go to, you know, you're not going to feel valued and, and that you're a contributing member of that organization. So, I mean, I think that's that's probably, and that's more on, on Babcock, right, and again, how he's deploying these goaltenders. So, speaking to the past regime, so ultimately, I think that there's still, you know, obviously there's still some issues there overall in terms of, like, what is the plan moving forward? I mean, Anderson looks a little bit better in the last little while, but ultimately, we're starting to see that, you know, the plan of riding him out... <laughs> Be a little more rested again. The days of playing, you know, 70, 70 games a year like Grant Fuhrer is gone, is long gone. Uh, but ultimately, you know, just making sure that he has, you know, somebody, a, a competent understudy so that he can actually, you know, kind of relinquish some of these starts towards the latter half of the season if they're in a position where they can do that uh, so that he can be rested by the playoffs. But ultimately, if the Leafs are still going to kind of be, you know, on that, on that bubble kind of moving towards the end, like he's just, he's going to have to play. Uh, but it's a matter of trying to balance that out so he's not overworked and, and, and tired. Well, speaking of him being overworked and tired, the defense in front of him has been a hot topic issue for a long time in Toronto. It finally seemed like maybe we're moving in the right direction and bringing a guy like uh, Tyson Berry and shoring up you know, with Justin Hall, allowing him to play and grow. But I'm wondering for you, this team obviously needs somebody else, and the name that keeps coming up now is Brandon Dillon. Um do you see the Leafs going and adding at the trade deadline, or do they try to see what they have with Sandine Lilligren, you know, and guys like uh, Kiwi Halme and that in the minors? Um, wondering what your thoughts are on Toronto's D and what they'll do going forward. I I believe that this year for sure they, they they're going to have to do something. I think the the days of waiting and seeing what you have in some of these players, um, and again there there's there's all indications points that you know. Uh, we should be optimistic about that but in a given season when you have the chance to compete uh in the playoffs that i think uh, uh dubas knows that he's gonna have to do something else again if he's not going to try to address that leading up to the trade deadline and ultimately things don't work out the way that you know we might think um you know that's we're now in the point now where that's going to kind of add up um i think the days of kind of just you know hoping that you get into the playoffs and we'll see what happens anybody can go, kind of go on a run but i think now in, in this point of the of the rebuild and now into the contention mode the expectation is is to win right and so i think that if you were just to stand pat going into the trade deadline knowing that there's some areas of deficiency that he could address potentially you know i think that he should be making every attempt to do that and i think that we will see that happening how it shakes out with somebody like a, a dylan or exploring other options like a martinez um you know it, it's tough to say but i think that he's going to have to be aggressive this year because again you can't afford to waste you know um you know what could potentially be a, a decent playoff run i think that long term they're not 
they're not quite there where I think they would need to be in order to like inspire 100% confidence going into the postseason. But I think that if they're able to kind of shore up some of those areas right now, um, you know, and you get into the playoffs, things can happen. But I think you have to be in a much better uh, position in order to kind of hope that you can catch fire. Now, do you think that Toronto may be hampered by trying to make a move by the fact that they're trying to extend Jake Muzzin and getting his number may uh, factor into the plans? Because other names you've heard of is Dumba and Josh Manson from uh, Anaheim, Mm -hmm. guys with terms still on their deal. So if you don't have an idea of what Muzzin wants or what you're going to give him, does that limit what you can do and and try to upgrade this squad? Well, I'm sure that's that's definitely a part of the calculus they're doing right now. Uh, but ultimately, given the group that they have, you know, kind of around their their cap structure and things like that, that they've probably run all sorts of different scenarios as to what this might look like. If they can get Muzzin at a, at, at a number or scenario of numbers that they feel comfortable with to kind of allow them to like to look at some of some of the options out there, right? Because again, you're right that I think it's, we're seeing more and more, especially at the trade deadline, teams looking towards not necessarily just pure rentals. Um, we saw it last year when they added Muzzin. This was a guy with another year on his deal. You know, two years ago when the Lightning added McDonough, he had another year as well, right? So again, you're getting that player as the rental for the playoff run, but you're still getting that additional year, which I think teams are seeing more and more value in, provided that you can make it work, right? So having that additional year is, I think, an asset for a team. Uh, but ultimately, when you're trying to re-sign other players or try to figure out how they might fit into the long-term picture, uh, it certainly makes it a little more complicated than just trying to take, you know, a half-year prorated contract when you know that there's a whole other year you have to kind of budget for. Now, this squad, obviously, everybody wants to see them make the playoffs right now. Sitting third in the Atlantic, key game coming up against the Florida Panthers um, that could really solidify this run they're going on. Obviously, they're three in a row. Um, going in and facing Florida, what do they need to do to win the game against these guys? And what do you think they need to continually keep doing? Obviously winning games, but what aspect of your game do you think needs to change for them to be able to sustain a winning streak? Well, I think consistency is key, right? I mean, in any kind of winning streak, obviously you have to be able to, you can't just expect to shoot the lights out and, you know, let in four or five goals and hope that that's going to sustain, you're going to be able to sustain that kind of model. I mean, I think that uh, as long as, you know, we're getting good goaltending and, you know, less lapses on defense and, you know, the offense is continuing to produce, I think it's it's clear that, you know, when all those parts are working together, the team is quite capable of anything. Um, and I think the, the the last 20 games or so with the, with the young guns and what they've been able to do kind of speaks to that, you know, as, as long as, there's, they're, and again, they are shooting the lights out right now. Again, their ice time is up, but their shooting percentages are also up. So, I mean, obviously some of that will regress to the mean. But I think that as long as, you know, we're keeping the pucks out of out, out of the nets and these guys are producing, um, you know, I think that there's no reason to think that this, this uh, streak can't continue. One thing that's nice about having Florida at home tonight is that, you know, the Leafs are um, 7-0 and in the last seven meetings that Florida's been to Toronto. Um, obviously, they, la- they lost against the Panthers earlier uh, in, in January when they were there, 8-4. But the team does, at least historically, have, has performed well at home against the Panthers. And so the last time they would have lost at home to Florida was April 4th, 2016, um, which is before Matthews was on the team. So in the Matthews era, uh, the team hasn't lost at home to the Panthers. Well, let's hope that that is sustainable tonight and they do pick up a victory. Now, something that's been happening the past couple of weeks, and it leads right into our talk here about the Leafs making the playoffs and having bitter rivals, is the Battle of Alberta the past couple of weeks has absolutely been on fire. Started off with Tuchuk going after Cassie and Cassie doing the ragdoll, and then the next game, obviously, they get into it. And now this weekend, 
Um, I'm going to ask you as a pure hockey historian who gets to see all kinds of different things and relive a lot of things, bringing them back up. Do you like seeing this uh, rivalry, the juice, the uh, the animosity, the build-up between these squads? Because there's a back-and-forth going on across social media, and of course, everyone has their own uh, flag to plant. I'm wondering where you land on this. For me, I love the fact that there's juice in the game. I love the fact there's that extra little oomph when you watch two teams go at it. And I mean, it was much watch TV, and it delivered each and every time. So, Mike, where do you sit on the uh, not only the Battle of Alberta, but adding this uh, animosity back to hockey? I mean, I'm, I'm definitely all for that. I think we saw, obviously, what, what it was like back in the day when those Battle of Alberta games meant something. Um, I mean, even in other bitter rivalries in the past, you know, I think of the Red Wings and the, and the Avalanche, obviously the game has changed, you know, a lot since then. And some of the things that maybe were acceptable back then, you know, are no longer acceptable now. But I think it's great to see, you know, that when these teams face off again, that there is that, that bitter rivalry back right again in, in previous you know, years and different iterations of the team, you know, when they're different cycles of, you know, uh, success, if they're not in the, if they're not, you know, making a push for it, you know, obviously those games don't mean as much, but now I think that, you know, both teams are playing well and they're eyeing, uh, you know, spots in the playoffs and you've got those, you know, the drama between, you know, Kachuk and, uh, and Cassian. And then even we had a goalie fight, uh, you know, over the weekend as well. I think ultimately, as much as there's there's other things to consider when you know, you're looking at you know those, some of those blindside hits that maybe led to the first you know conflict, uh, the the first eruption between uh, Kachuk and Cassian, and obviously you know you take think whatever you want about fighting, uh, but ultimately the, the the reptile side I think of a lot of hockey brains kind of you know peaks up when we see these kinds of things happening. And so ultimately, I think it's just making it makes it more exciting. And certainly, yeah, you have you have more people tuning in to watch these games now who aren't Flames fans or, or Oilers fans because they want to see what happens and they want to see if there's going to be any more flare-ups or or, or again we, we saw that that last game you know, had all of that extra extracurricular activities and excitement, but the Oilers still put up eight goals. So I mean, people want to see that as well. So. I think it's all shaping up nicely again now that we have some, you know, um, these games in the regular season mean something. Uh, it would just be the icing on the cake if these two teams were to meet in the playoffs at some point when those games really do matter and you already kind of have a lot of that heated rivalry baked in uh, into, into that those contests. Well, it harkens to the fact that a lot of people want to see the Toronto Maple Leafs play the New York Islanders round one obviously the animosity there so that would be something to see but yes you're right when it's meaningful and it means something there's always a little bit more of a jump to it and those two Calgary and Edmonton finally have uh you know teams that are heading the right direction obviously you have one team that has Connor McDavid the best player on the planet and then you have the Calgary Flames who have put a squad together that can battle with anyone so I'm loving it I'm loving the fact that finally there's a little bit of animosity also you look to Calgary and the LA Kings you know, you got the Chuck and then you have Dowdy as well. So it seems to be coming around more and more. Um, so before I let you go today, Mike, I'm going to ask you two questions. Where yeah. does Toronto finish? And if they make the playoffs, and I'll put the asterisk on the if they make the playoffs, how far do you see this squad going? Well, I think that uh, that's a tough question right now because I feel as though Right now, in their current form, um, you'd have one answer, but I think that by the time this month shakes out and the trade deadline comes and goes, I think the team will look different. Uh, so I would say that the team does make the playoffs. Um, 
I, 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 let's just say they finish third in the Atlantic. Let's go with that because I think that's where they're sitting right now. So I feel as though they'll maintain that spot and, and, main, and get a divisional spot and not have to contend with, uh, with picking up a wild card spot. Um, but as far as they go into the playoffs, that's a good question. I think that, you know, from, uh, from a fan perspective and I think from, you know, how people are starting to scrutinize the team, I think that it will be unacceptable, you know, even more so than it was last year if they don't get it beyond the first round. I think, you know, the, the goal should be, be the goal should be more than just getting beyond the first round. But we're now in a situation where they have to get beyond the first round because there's been, you know, a, a string of first round exits and disappointments that I think now with the assemblage of talent, um, it's not good enough just to hope to get out of the first round. So I think that ideally you're obviously wanting the team to go further. But I think um, in this current form right now, let's say Dubas does nothing and the team stays in its exact makeup and construction right now. I, I, I can't see them getting beyond, you know, maybe the second round, but depending on what he's able to do and who he's able to bring in and how they all kind of work together over the final, you know, two months of the season, um, it, it really kind of depends, right? If he's able to kind of do a game-changing move, um, you know, that really does shore up the defense and, you know, provide some some strength back there that we haven't seen yet this season, then, you know, and Anderson is, is healthy and he's rested going into the playoffs, then I would think that anything is possible at that point. But I think that there's still a couple pieces away from me making, you know, that grand prognostication that they can go all the way. Um, so hopefully whatever I said now isn't applicable because he does do something crazy and it does allow us to kind of visualize a different outcome. Well, I agree with you 100%, but you know what? I think you're right. They will finish third in the Atlantic, you know, just even though you said just per se. I think that's where they're going to end up. And I do think the trade deadline will be indicative of what this team can do going forward. I have them at least making it to the second round this year, but anything less than the conference finals, I think, will be a little bit of a letdown, especially with all the moves they made, getting rid of a fan favorite in Kadri, etc. So, yes, I really want to see this squad make a huge push and kind of, I I wouldn't say reward the fan base, but give us something to be clamoring for more for next year and take those steps because it's been a lot of first-round exits. I mean, we didn't have the playoffs for a while, so for the first couple of years, that was acceptable, but now... As a fan base, I think they want them to take the next steps going forward. So I hope that's what's in store. But, Mike, I want to thank you. I know you have a lot going on. Thank you for taking some time for us today. I appreciate it. And hopefully we can get you back on soon. Yeah, anytime. You know that, absolutely. All right. And where can people find your work? And uh, give a shout-out for your book as well. Yeah, so um, you can find basically everything on Twitter at, uh, at Mike Comito. Um, so that's where you can find stuff that I do for the Wolves. Uh, it's a lot of stuff, a lot of the running that I'm doing for the Kings these days. Of course, the book Hockey 365, uh, which is 365 short hockey history stories, one for every day of the year. You can get that book wherever you like to buy books. So if you want to buy it from Amazon, you can go there or you can go to your local brick and mortar store and grab a copy there as well. Uh, I, I will plug it right now only because we're in a leap year. And so finally, I get to publicize that there is that extra story in the book for January or for February 29th. Um, so it's finally paying off. So it's not Hockey 366 because it doesn't quite have that same ring, but this year it is Hockey 366. So get the book now. If you don't already have it, you'll get that bonus story uh, for the leap month that we're in now, or leap year, sorry, and, and the extra day this month. No worries. Well, yes, definitely check that book out. I highly recommend it. As I've said to Mike and to everyone listening numerous times, I've read it to my daughter, and we do a story a day, and it's a great way to do it throughout the whole year. Just enjoy it, and especially this year where you get the extra day in there. It's an extra story for hockey. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Great to hear that uh, that you both have enjoyed it. Uh, my daughter's she's she'll be four in September, and I haven't quite uh, tested out the material on her yet. So maybe a, a few more years away. Ah, uh, you know what? The best thing is some of those some of those stories. You can do a little bit of video reference, especially with YouTube and the internet nowadays. So yeah, you can actually uh, show it off a little bit more, add a little bit more flair to your story. So I appreciate Absolutely. it, and I appreciate your time, good sir. I hope you have a good rest yeah. of the day, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks you too. Go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go, buddy. Mm-hmm.